Generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? John the Baptist, speaking to the religious leaders of his day, and portrayed in Dorothy Sayers' radio play from years ago, the man born to be king as a Welsh revival preacher. Um, good morning, I'm Christopher Hicken, a reader, one of the preachers here at Christchurch Purley, and today in our series on the kingdom in Matthew, we have reached chapter 11, Kingdom Judgment. John the Baptist gave the call to repent, change your ways for good, and turn to God. In the passage we've just heard, Jesus commends his cousin John and makes some startling claims for him, and by implication for himself also, if you have ears to hear. It's quite a puzzling passage, so let's open our ears to the detail. Verse 11, truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus sets John at the pinnacle of the entire Old Testament witness to God. The law of Moses, the words of the prophets, and the writings of the sages. But they were all pointing to the coming kingdom of heaven. And if you've decided to join that kingdom, you are inheriting what they were longing for, God's new creation. Verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. Now, if you find this puzzling, you're in good company. Uh, you've only to go online to compare the various English translations of this verse to discover that the theologians aren't too sure about it either. And in fact, um, the verse I've just read, which is what Nick read to us, for, is from the online version of the NIV. The version of the NIV you've got in, 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 the, um, in front of you um, has a slightly different translation of that verse. Um, it is a puzzle, um, but it, um, and as I said, it's perplexing the theologians as well. So, but it does suggest the threat of violence, the atmosphere of violence in which the kingdom comes. Um, John's arrest and execution by Herod. Jesus' own vulnerability following his refusal when tempted by the devil to use force. And the fierce opposition which is now beginning to build up against Jesus. Verse 13, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Again, John the culmination of the entire Old Testament witness. But that implies that the Old Testament witness is now complete. So, who is Jesus? Verse 14, and if you're willing to accept it, John is the Elijah who was to come. The prophet Malachi said, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and terrible day of the Lord comes. 
So it was widely believed at the time, and still is among Jews today, that Elijah will come to announce the arrival of the Messiah. Jesus now identifies John as the Elijah who was to come. So if John is Elijah, who is Jesus? This is one of Jesus' most explicit statements that he is indeed God's Messiah. Now this means that Jesus' presentation of the kingdom of heaven is so much more than a set of good ideas or religious teaching. What is happening is the beginning of the end. God is making all things new. And Jesus goes on to say, how is it possible that you are not taking any notice? You're like bored children, he says, refusing to join in their friends' games. John came preaching judgment and woe. I've come to invite you to a party. And there's no response. What does this look like for us today? This is something that does concern me deeply. We keep on being told that church attendance and the numbers of people in this country identifying themselves as Christian are still declining. Being aware of the vigorous Christian activity taking place in so many fields does make you wonder about the statistics, but we are told that the tide has not yet turned. Jesus might well say to us, I sent you Billy Graham and many another to call you to repentance. I have poured out my Holy Spirit on your churches to show you that I am alive. But still, this nation has not returned to me. How much longer have we got? There was an astute comment online that no one who watched King Charles' coronation will be able to say that they haven't heard the gospel. Is this nation living off and frittering away the wonderful and deep-rooted Christian heritage that is ours? Jesus delivers a severe tongue-lashing to the little towns of his own day who were ready enough to give him a polite nod, but then just carried on as they were, taking no notice of God at work in their midst. The result for them was the terrible war with Rome and the obliteration of the Jewish nation in AD 70. How much longer have we got? I believe the threat is real, but we can take comfort. First of all, he also faced the same indifference that confronts us today. I know of a young vicar and his wife who were delighted when another couple invited them round for a discussion about the Christian faith. It was a cheerful evening and concluded with their earnest and thorough presentation of the claims of Christ and the hope of eternal life. And then they asked, would you like to take the step of committing to follow Jesus? The answer was, no thank you. They simply could not believe it. 
In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus seems to rate indifference worse than hostility. Remember also the terrible indictment of the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Flee from the wrath to come. But yet, we have hope. The letter to Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3 concludes with Jesus' wonderful words. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. John says, Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. And the letter to the Hebrews, after a warning similar to the one we've just heard, says, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are sure of better things in your case, things to do with salvation. Thousands did repent at the preaching of Billy Graham, and many of them are still following Jesus to this day. Thousands of us have experienced the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. And I, for one, can say that even years later, if anything, I feel more alive and more deeply committed to Jesus than when I first believed. My father once told me, although I haven't yet been able to confirm it, that at the high point of rationalist unbelief in this country in the 18th century, a member of parliament stood up and said, I give the church 10 more years in this country. Our God loves a challenge. And his response was the revivals led by George Whitfield and John Wesley, which completely changed the spiritual atmosphere. So then, time's up. Time now to flee from the wrath to come. God help us, we in the Church of England have plenty to repent of to start with. But it's also high time to get the word out on the street that it's time to give up our old ways and follow Jesus through this world and into the next. Amen.